Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be talking about what love is. So like a simple little topic for a simple little show. My name is Curtis Childs and I'm your host and this is our good friend and I say our meaning yours and my good friend, Dr. Jonathan Rose, hey, series Curtis. editor, New Century Edition, translator, Swedenborg Books. Thanks for coming. Great to be here. Um, sorry to lock you into this complex conversation, but but so it goes. We've got an, an obligation to try oh, okay. to explain love right. to the people. And we're going to do it in six parts, not all of whom have to actually do with love, but they're all going to get us there. And the, the okay. parts are as follows, as per usual. We're going to begin, just get the conversation started in our icebreaker section, mm. where you in the audience and us in the studio will be answering a question. Swedenborg related. We're going to have our weekly keywords. Spoiler alert, it's love this time. We're going to go on a road trip into the afterlife. Mm. We're going to have a live chat Q&A. We're going to meet somebody from the audience. And we're also going to get your answers to this first question. So it's uh -huh. going to be a sweet ride. And um, this sweet ride is going to hopefully get us to the answers about some of the core substances and um, impetus, impeti in life. You know? Wow. So <laughs> that was good. Let's let's go to part one right now. All right. As you can tell, we're just getting a feel for how to interact. That's right? right. And I know in the chat room it's probably the same kind of thing like That's right. Oh no, you you go ahead. Were you gonna say okay. something? Okay. Oh, no, oh no, you, was that your me, okay. you, you were talking right. to someone else. Okay. Same sort of thing, right? So we've gotta like smooth this out because if I found this is universally <laughs> true. When, when some, if somebody's public speaking or if somebody is giving any kind of presentation, unless you can relax and know that they're going to be right. relaxed and they're not going to embarrass themselves or that everybody in the room is, is relaxed, you can't absorb any information. So mm, you've got to relax through, gotta relax through a, a pre-programmed conversation. I like that. That's good. So let's just relax to this question right here. What's a topic in spiritual life you wonder about? So you and I are going to answer this, and everybody at home, answer it. There's a moderator in the chat room who's going to grab your responses, and we're going to look at them at the end. And this is this is cool because yeah, this so this is something that you don't necessarily feel like you have an answer to. Um, right. In spiritual life, it's just our broad kind of tag to say you know something spiritual e related, not like oh I wonder what my next car will be. You know, this right. is something that's got some kind of spiritual, spiritual edge to component it. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Do you want to go first, or do you, do you want me to go first? Sure. I, I, I've something's come to mind, which is um, it may sound weird, but I've really we, wondered. We're all friends here. Okay, good. Thank you. I feel ice broken already. <laughs> the uh, I wonder about the usefulness of like feeling clueless. What I mean by that is it just seems so much, especially in our spiritual lives, uh, like I often, like what's coming next? I have no idea. Am I doing this right? I yeah. don't know. Am I a good person? Like what, you know, all these things you you wonder about. And it has struck me that we experience that, I think, I certainly experience that so much that I wonder, well, it must have some usefulness. There must be some point. Is that just humbling or something about yeah. it? But there must be some point to that kind of spiritual cluelessness or, or not knowing, ignorance or something like that. 
Why is that? I don't know if that makes sense. No, but. why is that a part of the experience? There's so many life scenarios for existence that wouldn't include this general yeah. lack of direction that we would, all Would it be so bad to know what you were doing, you know, for half an hour or something like that? You know what I mean? You know, you, you think about you play a video game and there's some choice, you know, but you right. know the general thrust of where you got to go. That's right. You know when you've made an achievement. You know yeah. that you, you know. You the, know you got to level five or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. You know you're stealing, right? And with a movie, even if it's got some twists and open-ended things, you know, like, generally what's being accomplished. But here in life, you can be so far off. Mm. So I definitely, I feel you on that, and I feel like I have, to use two different meanings for the word feel, I have a sort of subcategory of what you were just talking oh. about from, from my wondering, uh -huh. which is, um, I wonder how much is there an ideal action sequence that I could be doing and how much am I deviating from that? Yeah, are, that is related, isn't it? So yeah. I'm not like what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God is there saying only if you do this and this would you be living up to what you're supposed to do. But I'm saying like in every situation, right? There's this cluelessness and there's this wondering what's the best way to go at this situation. Right. What am I trying to when when I'm at my house? What am I trying to do right now? Am I trying to relax? Am I trying to cultivate myself into being more and more um fastidious and and getting things done it, right. well am i trying to hold a balance between the two am i trying to read swedenborg and think about swedenborg all the time because there's fate i go into phases in my life when it's like yeah i can't drink enough water like i i, I want to just learn more and more swedenborg yeah. and the more i apply it the more i just only am thinking in those terms the better things get at other times it's like just relax man i gotta do other i gotta do regular work a night stuff. off every now and then or something like that yeah yes and i, I do you know the freedom is great and everything but I love the idea of like there's an optimal course an of optimal action. course of action. Yeah. That, that like mountain climbing, you know, there must be like a best way to get up this slope or something like that, right? Yes. And if like if there was some master coming in, if if I was trying to build a car and I didn't know what I was doing, somebody could come in and say, No, you do this and you do this and you God has got to have that angle on it. And so is there like ah, I would love to have that. Like, like, okay, uh, which one of these, uh, it seems like there's a couple possible renderings of, of myself, my life strategy that I could be doing, which one is right. Mm. So that's one. And then I'm going to, we got, we got a minute left here. Okay. So good. I'm going to hit you with a second one. Okay. Which good. Is, this is the thing that is my greatest point of tension. And it's not really that intellectual, but it's just I, like accidents of all sizes and all scales. Okay. Why do we have to deal with them? Mm. And I know that there's like, okay, there's providence, but so for the big things, you feel like, okay, the, the why is like this, even if there's something good that comes down the road, this is so painful in the moment. But for the little things, like, oh, I like, like, why didn't I just think to pull my keys out of the car before I close the door? Like, like, why right. does that need to happen right now? Or just even smaller than that, why did I, like, I was getting up and I hit my head on this branch. Like, wh what's that, you know? So, I, and yeah. I know, like, intellectually, okay, there's this spiritual world and the, the hell and heaven and all accidents are this thing from hell and that everything actually is providence. But, but it's like, I would love to just get more, a better context for that stuff so that when it happens, I can just say, because the more I believe that there is God, mm. And that God is doing anything, the, the less tolerable that stuff sort of becomes. Yeah, Cause, right. Because yeah, I'm not all the way caught up on really seeing how that works, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I'm with you.
Okay. That's good. So, those are those are our wonderings. Yeah. But what are your wonderings? Because we want to get real and we want to know, like, wh- where are the gaps and, and what what's the next frontier of knowledge? And I, I just like to know, like, what, what matters to people yeah. on people's minds. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Where's your cutting edge right now kind of thing. Yeah. So what we're going to hear about your cutting edges in the final and sixth section. But for now, I'm warm. The ice is gone. Good. Okay, that was good. That was a good warm-up. The caps have melted, sorry to say. And let's get on to section two. Okay, we usually... We, you notice that there's a plural in this title, keywords. Keywords. We've uh, always had two words. We have, haven't we? But yeah. this time... Your Swedenborg term that we are illustrating and illuminating so that you can then navigate Swedenborg's works and understand what he means by it, it's just one. And it's just this. Hmm. Love. And the reason is we were going to do like a love and wisdom, but there's uh-huh. so much to say about love. Oh, okay. That we got to stick to it. Yeah. But you might think. And are you saying this is another one of those things, right? Like in previous weeks where. Uh, you can think you know what that word means. Like, oh, I know what that's... You're talking about falling in love. Yes. It's like, oh, yes, you know, you keep thinking about somebody or something like that. Right. But that's not always or entirely what, what Swedenborg's talking about, right? Sometimes he is using that word love and meaning something entirely different. Yeah. Sometimes he is talking about evil love, sometimes good love. That's true. And so this, it can right. get confusing because you're going to see a little pithy quote from Swedenborg that says something about love and you wonder, what's he talking about? Romantic yeah. love. What is love in the first place? Yeah, but, and and what I would, it? I would argue that we don't have great definitions. No, for love. I mean, that's what, true. How you could be saying love and talking about like earlier, I used the word feel in two different ways. You could be yes, using the word right. love could mean love can mean things, so many right? different things, and it can mean it can mean that kind of strong affection, but it can also mean an, an attachment, uh, a devotion, just an enthusiasm. Yeah, you know, like. I have a passion for model trains or whatever. You know, you'd say, "Oh yeah, he really loves the." Yes, he loves the know, model yeah, trains. Yeah, yeah. which are, which right. actually, I can and that's imagine a, that's a perfectly good use of that word. Well, you know? yeah, I could imagine that being a pretty satisfying hobby. Yeah, you snap all that stuff together. Maybe I'll, I'll pick that's that right. up, coming right up. So Swedenborg knows that that's the case that people you just throw this word around like an right. Idiot. But for him, he wanted to he wanted to take this word and use it as a fundamental foundational piece of his whole cosmology, mm. and he describes it a little bit here in his book, Love in Marriage, number 34. Oh. Uh, right there, he's got it in the title of the book, although that, that's that. one translation. Um, so he says, people know that love exists, but they do not know what love is. Wow. That's like right out of the gate. Y'all don't know <laughs> what you're talking yes, about. Yes, right. Guess what, everybody? You don't know what love and is. And how can yeah. you know, Everyone knows what love is. What are you talking mm. about? They can tell that love exists from common expressions, which are like what we were just, you were just that's mentioning. That's right. But although we mention love all the time, hardly anyone knows what love is, hmm. which makes me want to know, okay, well, are you going to tell us, right? People cannot piece together any idea of it through study and therefore cannot place it in the light of knowledge because it belongs to heat, not light. Heat, not light. Interesting. So there he's doing a correspondence thing, right? Heat having to do with the heart, light having to do with the mind. So he's kind of saying that it's not something that there's been a lot of academic study of or something like that at least in his time period you right know. right okay so there's uh, be, because it's a matter of the heart and people don't so they just say oh well it's a an attachment well what's that i don't know 
it's, it's like there's got to be some movie where there's like some professor who's like, well, I'm trying to study, but I don't understand this feeling. You know, yes, like, right. like <laughs> that's like a classic trope. It's classic. Like, right. It's like you're, the over analytical right. mind can't understand yes, this thing. Right. You just got to feel in your heart. So what is going on? Yeah. It yes. <laughs> does not compute. You know, like a robot uh, learning to love. You know, there's a lot of movies about that. They are completely unaware that. This is the, I Here it is. This seriously. Whoa. They are completely unaware that love is actually their life. Their life. Not just the life that belongs to their whole body and all their thoughts in a general way, but also the life of every single part of them. Interesting that he says the body as well as the thoughts and that love is and that's not in a dictionary definition you can see various different things in a dictionary definition but life itself is not no. one of them and yet he says it's actually the life not only just in kind of a general oh yeah right you know so like just you're a being of love yeah. no i'm talking about every single part of us our memory has to do with love. Yeah. You know, what we think has to do with what we love, the way that our body works and, and everything. So Right. He says that mm. um that that what we care about is what we become. So the the far from it being like, okay, I, I am a being and there are certain things that I find myself interested in that are sort of peripheral to my existence, that our deepest affection sort of is what we are. He goes on to describe right. this, that life is actually we're kind of choosing what we love and through that choosing what we are. What we are. You are what you love, not you are what you eat or That's something right. like that. Well, right? and so, maybe you love what you yeah, eat. Heaven right. and Hell 479. I don't know if that even That is sense. very deep. Yeah. This, this is um, – oh, uh, I was going to say – uh, I forgot, Stuart. I do want to do this thing. Uh, there's this. Oh yes, he, we talk about heat and heat, not light. Oh right, right, right. There you so go. So there's an episode. If you're wondering more about what he talk about heat and light, we did an episode all about correspondences and how these two things can be this That's physical cool. illustration of what's going on coming out of God and also in every part of us. So worth checking out. This is an oldie but a goodie. This is like right after we shifted to our new green screen background format. Cool. So take a look at that for sure. That's great. All right, so now we're going to talk about this We Are What We Love quote. This is from Heaven and Hell 479. Mm. He says, A great deal of my experience has testified to the fact that we are our love or intention after death. Ah, after interesting, yeah. So you may just be becoming that in this world or something like that. But after death, like that's who you are. You know, that's that's what yeah. defines you. That is interesting. Yeah. That he, he makes that distinction there. That it's that there, there's what we are. Love here, our life is love. But more so, there you're an actual embodiment. You're an embodiment. Yeah, yeah. You're actually an embodiment. That's right. All heaven is differentiated into communities on the basis of differences in the quality of love. And every spirit who is raised up into heaven and becomes an angel is taken to the community where her or his love is. Mm. And that so you live where you love is, what you love is also where you live. Yeah, explain, because it doesn't mean where your crush is or, you know, where, where the, a person you love is, right? Right. It, I mean, in the broadest sort of categories that Swedenborg defi uh, you know, divides things into, you have love of the Lord, love of the neighbor, love of the world, and love of self, which we've talked about sometimes before on this yes. show. And, um, and so though, like, which of those is absolutely dominant? And everybody, yeah. nobody loves the, the neighbor in exactly the same way as anybody else. 
but that's still sort of like, okay, that's where you're placed. If that's your chief thing is like, oh, I just love helping people. And, you yeah. know, and then you may be a specific type of helping people within that. And that's, that's where you go. Right. To broad distinctions of, yeah, there's a, there's a specific way you love contributing to the common good, that, 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 that people's happiness is your passion. Or is it the, the re reverse of that would be you love your own reputation, that, that everything you're doing is right. to increase your stock in some and, way. And if somebody helps you, then you're they're your friend. That's right. If they don't help you or they oppose you, then suddenly they're your enemy. You know. Well, and you can and, see on this show when you start to contradict me, I, you can just tell. Yeah, I'm I, yeah. Much the, different. The, the bristling you know? is almost visible. Yep. Yeah. So okay. So going on, when we arrive there, we feel as though we are in our own element, at home, back to our birthplace, so to speak. That is cool. Can you imagine what that feels like? That's you ever awesome. feel a little off base on this planet or <laughs> I don't yeah. know, you know, just like uh, it, it must feel amazing to come to where. And I think this doesn't uh, have nothing to do with your relationships with other people, you know, your love of other people. But it's a shared love for whatever that is, you know, so when people have a common passion about something that engenders love between yeah. them. Yep. It probably feels awesome. And it's because and the reason it feels like your home is because the place is this embodiment of the thing that you and the other people who are drawn there love. So yeah. you're, you're you're with what your core, the core um, motivation for you, the essence of your spirit is there. Yeah. And you're like, this oh. is awesome. And there's other people there who, who love the similar things, you know, yeah. like they're in alignment with, with that. And right, kindred, so, kindred spirits. Okay, this, really cool. this number goes on. Ah. I have also seen, which is nice because I'm kind of enjoying that. Yeah, time yeah, it, in this it's a number. good one, yeah. Uh, Heaven and Hell has got some good, just really clear stuff. I have also seen that our spirit is our dominant love from the fact that every spirit seizes and claims whatever suits her or his love and rejects and repels whatever does not suit it. And so look at that dominant love is interesting. Like, you know, you might say, oh, well, I, I love lots of things. You know, I love this sport and yes. I love that activity and I love the mountains and I love the, you know, the yeah. ocean and I, or whatever. But this is, what is the one that above all that you would sacrifice everything else for? You know, like what is the chief thing yep. that you love? And we may not, we may not be in touch with that while we're alive in this world. I, I don't know. But that that is what our spirit is, that dominant love. Yeah. And all the other loves are sort of gathered together well, underneath I, it. I can feel that pretty clearly. When I'm in like a love of self, like a selfish mode, I can feel like if I'm in a cool mountain, what I'm th I'm thinking of is, well, aren't I cool that I'm on this mountain? Don't I have a cool <laughs> life that I'm on this mountain? Right. You know, whatever. The mountain serves the, yeah, it, my friend the Jerry, ego moment or something. My friend Jerry isn't doing something this cool right now. But the, the reverse is when I'm just thinking about nature and I'm like, that is gorgeous. You, you can just awesome. feel you can just feel a difference yeah. in there. So I think that yeah, it's like you, your dominant love is kind of placed in all these things that you you're sort of sub loves. And interesting, it says that this is it seizes and claims. Like what is that talking about? Like it grabs other stuff and then rejects and repels what doesn't suit it. Well, let's hey, what, let's, what's going on? Let, we're going to go into that in, okay. in some good detail here. Our love is like here we go a spongy porous wood Weird. that absorbs whatever liquids prompt its growth and repels others. It oh, is like interesting. So it, so I like this. Like if you 
put it in acid. It was like, no, I don't like acid, yeah. but oh, I like this, and we'll drink it in kind yeah. of thing, right? Yep, yep. Mm. Uh, it, it, another example. It is okay. like animals of various kinds. They recognize their proper foods, seek out the ones that suit their natures, and avoid the ones that disagree. Mm. Every love actually wants to be nourished by what is appropriate to it. An evil love by falsities and a good love by truth. And you might think, wow. that's a weird example, spongy, porous wood for something like love. That's not that elegant. But it actually, when you learn the idea, it's awesome. And we're going to illustrate it for y'all. Ah. Right in the depth is that a, of Is that a bowl focus. of truth? This is a bowl of truth or falsity or whatever. This okay, is some okay, kind whatever of it is. Some, ideas. This some is kind of ideas. Spongy, porous what is that? wood. Oh, okay. that's a spongy, porous wood. Well, that's it's, tiny. It's just a spongy sponge, right? Imagine this is your love. This is whatever your dominant love is. Okay. When they're when it gets into something that suits its nature, oh. the transformation, it's like, give me that stuff. I'm gonna suck that up right now. And the transformation Whoa. is pretty amazing. That, right? that it is just crazy. pulls it all in because Look this, at that. It practically drained half the Yeah. You look how eager this wow. particular sponge is to pull up this because this is something that agrees with what it is. Even above the height of the water, it's it's right. It's still pulling it up and it's in. It's pulling. It's like it, it'll draw it right up against gravity or whatever. Well, right? And you think of like, let's say I'm in selfish Curtis mode and I'm up on the mountain and I'm thinking, this is so cool. If somebody says, wow, you look so cool up there, suck that right <clears> in. Yes, you know, right. Because like, of course I'm cool. And if and, somebody else says, shouldn't, shouldn't you be wearing a helmet, young man? Or yeah, something, then I'm like, get out of Nothing. Yeah. And, or, or yeah, if I see something that's like, um, it's m this mountain is very exclusive. A sign says this mountain is very exclusive. <laughs> Jerry could never get up on this mountain. Suck that right in, and I and I start to pull in arguments that favor. But but if it's if it's a love of nature, then you begin to just love the idea of the experience and other people have. So whatever it is that suits it, it just pulls it right in. That sponge is like, what would you say? Like. 10, 20 times the size it was. Like, you guys, if like, anyone guesses it right, you get the the thing of jelly beans. <laughs> I guess you, just, you don't get it, but you get to guess based on it. Whatever. Okay, so we've got that. So that's an illustration of the way that love sucks in ideas that support oh, it. Okay, so I can see that like, if you're around uh, you know, some information, or I, I mean, let's just say you're watching TV or, or, or whatever. Yeah. If there's something that lights you up like that love of nature yeah then you're oh 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 and you're just absorbing it all in yeah if it's something that you really don't care about but somebody else you're watching with they they like that so you you know and you're checking your phone and, right. you know you're just not very absorbent to that yeah. so your love just so a way that we could find out to some extent what we love is like when we get lit up and when we're just drinking it in like that, yeah. right? And you and you notice if let's say you've got a particular political way you see the world and there are some people arguing on TV about it, the person who's saying the things that agree with yours, you're sucking in those reasons. Yeah, the right. person who says stuff that maybe challenges your assumptions, you're like, I don't know. What oh, that's not they're so no, dumb. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And like most people are watching this show are saying that's that. That's right. Exactly. But you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're t as I said before um you know, we've got that. There's a whole example that we were talking about with animals who find the right thing that, that feeds them because one animal yeah. could eat like decaying flesh, but the other, another one would die from it. It's just like the different kinds of love pull up different kinds of facts. I was fascinated to learn that, that uh, skunks just eat a lot of kind of smelly, gross things. You know, it just interested <laughs> really? me that, yeah, they're sort yeah. of drawn to, hey, that looks good, you know, yeah, <laughs> because it helps them be a skunk. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, you see how there's an interplay here between ideas and love. And there always is. Like I said before, we're going to do this show about love and wisdom. We have a quick little quote about it here from Divine Love and Wisdom mm. 139, where he says, Love alone is like a reality with no manifestation, since love makes itself manifest in wisdom. And mm. wisdom without love is like a manifestation with no reality, since wisdom is the manifestation of love. It's just like in the sun, in the mm. seasonal cycle, you got light, but you don't have heat in the winter things can't grow you've got to have love and wisdom together we're not going to get it we don't have time to get into that this show but we will get into it some other time this sponge got like if that was a good sponge with a good love it got a yeah. lot wiser like it absorbed right. all that information right and organized it yeah. and, and became greatly enriched by that all experience. you got to remember is the wise old sponge and you'll know love and wisdom go together all right let's see some of this in action what does love look like in the spiritual world we're about to take a road trip. <laughs> I just drank some water in that break like I was a sponge. Did you drink it in? in? Oh man, it was it agreed with my love. So we're going <laughs> to look today, we're going to do a spiritual world road trip like we always do because Swedenborg would lay out these principles and then he would be talking about how he saw these principles applied in the Experiences that he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So we so uh, your quality of the preface this Swedenborg would say that the quality of life in the spiritual world is according to what you love. So that you mentioned before love of God and love of the neighbor; those were heavenly loves. The the love of serving and of helping and of general camaraderie. This is mm -hmm. what makes up heaven. Um, there was so what we're going to hear today is some a story about people who are sort of deficient in that love. And this is a story oh, who, okay. about angels rushing in to aid these spirits who had just arrived in the spiritual world and, and were, were really in need of some love. Mm. Okay. Okay, interesting. This is from Last Judgment Posthumous 191. Ready? All right. Okay, it begins... I once felt a rather intense coldness from the soles of my feet... To the knee. It was plain that the coldness was induced by cold spirit. So that's what that is. <laughs> okay, so when your feet are freezing, yeah, this is okay. full on Swedenborg. This is full on the interaction of the human form microcosm with the macrocosm of the that's spiritual right. world. This is the full on correspondence of coldness and the lack of love. This is weirder here, than here it, gets. it is. Yep. This is the this here is last judgment Downtown weird. reading like the spiritual diary. I was told that they were ones who in the world had lived in absolute ignorance of God. Okay, so these people who had lived their entire, they become spirits now, but yeah. they live their entire life like nobody ever taught them or yeah. whatever, like they knew just absolutely not the first thing. Yep. Nothing. And nothing maybe about some kind God. of component of missing love because he often talks about that um, the, the not knowing God equates with that as well. After they were raised up, I heard them speaking. And from their speech, I perceived in them scarcely any vitality. Hmm. They spoke as though forcing inanimate statues to speak. Wow. So they were really, it sounds like he, uh, the, the word that comes to mind is like flatlining or something, you yeah. know, like they're, they're just almost unconscious or unresponsive or yeah. s like people speak to you and you hardly say anything or you finally say yes right you know or something but it's i don't know it's just like there's 
nothing there to you know the, 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 there's no animation to work with that's or something. right and yeah. this was concerning Swedenborg he said I despaired over whether any life would long remain in them yeah because it's like the little spark that they had was like that's just gonna get snuffed out you know right these these people are just seriously flatlining they were like automatons or carved figures making sounds wow however I heard shortly that they had been brought into a type of activity which appeared as a kind of gyration Hmm. Now, here comes the love. Angels had been put in charge of infusing life into them, which they did with such care and attention that it can scarcely be described. Nor did they permit themselves to be fatigued. I love the fact, for one thing, that they got an assignment, had been put in charge. Yeah. Of infu- like somebody said, hey, those people over there, Yeah. why don't you see if you can... Breathe like, a little life into that. Like oh, it's from work. I got to go. There's okay, newly arrived I'm sorry. spirits. Yeah, you yeah. Know? All right. And they're sort of excited about the assignment because yeah. it's like, oh, man, these people are almost lifeless. Like, and, what do we have to do? And no fatigue. I mean, this is showing, and I know that in another version of this story that Swedenborg, he sort of records it also in his journal, and he says that they, the love they had coursing through them for these spirits was what let them work that hard without being fatigued and, and, and led them to go do this for this right. long. So in a word, they swung them, and this is like the means by it are quite bizarre. Mm. In a word, they swung them back and forth, the purpose of which was for them to receive spiritual life. For these other people who seemed almost, it's like they, yeah. come on, buddy, come on. Yeah. Come on, wake up. Here we go. Here we go. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but he somehow, uh, the angels are moving them uh, back and forth, back and forth. I know in, in one of the passages it even likened it to the, the wave offering in the Old Testament yeah. or something, just move them back and forth, back and forth. And I don't know what's going on, but back and forth in the spiritual world would be from one feeling to another feeling, mm-hmm. from a thought to a different thought. And yeah. somehow they're working. Them. And it also said gyration, didn't it? So it sounds like it's going around in circles somehow, yeah. you know. Uh, we we can't really tell what they were doing to them, but somehow what they're doing was done with tremendous love. Yes, A- and and did it work? Well, let's see. When this had gone on for some time, the spirits began to be vitalized and to be no longer as they were. Thus, they began to hold some conversation with each other, saying that they were in heaven. So these people are first realizing, oh wow, check they that out, we're in heaven. Like, Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> this effort was continued by the Lord through his angels throughout the night. The Lord being divine love that is inspiring the love that's in these angels. Mm. And after- So this just wasn't just a one-hour evening event or something like it's that. It's a marathon. They're all night, they're, they're working these people, working these people. Right. And after that, they reached the point, the, the spirits did, that they could be introduced or incorporated into some gatherings of others in which they were then perfected. So in that kind of half-dead state, I gathered that they couldn't even really be in the company of others or, you know, they were just like, I don't know, you know, almost comatose or something. And they brought them around to which, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up, you know, and and got them enlivened and invigorated so that they were ready to be in these gatherings in which they could then be further perfected and brought along, right? Yes, and this is an interesting point about the nature of these people. For they were capable of receiving life because they had nothing in them to resist it. 
as those do who confirm themselves in falsities in opposition to truth. Oh, so these people talk about flatlining, like yeah. they had nothing. Yeah. So there was nothing in there, but that's not necessarily as bad as it sounds. Right. Right? Because they didn't have anything to resist it. So when the angels brought them into something, they were just great, you know? <laughs> Think of yeah. it this way. Oh, thank you, you know? Yeah, this sort of no preconceived notions about God or, or afterlife is is a little bit more malleable than having sort of rigidly grabbed onto false principles about the yeah, whole And thing. then fighting, the, no, yes. it's not like that. No, I, I know right. that you're wrong. And, right. How life was progressively infused into them was represented by colors. The first stage of that life by an increasingly white marble color. Okay. The second by an increasingly blue color containing the white. Hmm. And the third by patches of glistening white clouds rising up. So somehow this is like, this is a, a chromatic descriptor of this huh. process. What is it like in the spiritual? It's, it's just, unbelievable. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that maybe the marble is like when they're, like there's a little, like mar marble is cool stuff, you know? Yeah. So they're still stony, like there's not much there, but it's like, yeah. it's a step above where it was. And then, yeah. oh, you got this blue coming in, which is a little more kind of alive. Beating and then it's out. like these beautiful clouds and, you know, it's, yes. it's rising up somehow through this all night, this indefatigable effort on the part of these angels to, right. to bring these people around. I was afterwards shown what their character was, the, the spirits. By the by, spirits, right. By an exhalation from them upon my face in the front parts of my chest. So they just went up and like breathed on them. I don't know if that's even voluntary or just you getting this is again this like like the coldness from the foot to the knee the human body is this shape and schematic that, that is a conductor or communicator for for these spiritual concepts yeah. you know so somehow Swedenborg is feeling this breath of theirs and he's saying it was chilly but verging on warmth it makes me think of those like around here anyway you get sort of an early April day where yeah. it's still chilly or snow is melting or something like that but you can feel there's a little hope in it like oh if this yep. went in the right direction yep. we, we could get there right right uh this was accomplished by the lord alone through angels they may be said to have been restored from no life to some life mm. and i know the other passage you're talking about in in his spiritual experiences or his diary where he writes about it and there it emphasizes even more how the tremendous Swedenborg was really astonished by the kind of love. And I think, I don't know, but Swedenborg had looked at these people and felt like they're hopeless, like it's pointless. There's nothing there, you know, beep, yeah. you know, like there's no point. And, and, uh, and these angels go in and just, no. And it seems like part of what they're doing is they're just pouring this love into these people yeah. in a way that they may have never experienced in their lives. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, the pouring, pouring love in, just loving, loving them, working with them, moving them back and yeah. forth into a different state and bringing them around with so much love. And this mm. gets back to in the very beginning when we learn that love is our life. And mm. Here you have these spirits who have almost no life at all, and through the agency of love from God, through the angels, through the actions, into the people, they're brought to life. So they were. So the angels were able to give them, in a sense, life. They must have had something in them that was mm. receptive, or at least they had nothing blocking it, as yeah. we read there. But it's great to know that, yes, someone else can bring your heart into that warmer state. Yeah. 
you know, it's so beautiful. And, and yeah. the Lord is just like, oh, angels, hey, you know, here's a text to all angels in the area. Yeah. These poor people that just can hardly breathe, there's like nothing going on. Help them out, would you? Yep. Just help them out. And so they dive in there with this zeal, and they must have this great wisdom because, like, I don't know what they were doing. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. But somehow they knew, hey, let's move them this way. Okay, now this way. Now let's get them. Now yeah. let's say this. Now let's, you know, bring them over here. And, and, and they knew how to do it and get them ready pretty quickly to be with other people and to be in a totally heavenly state, a very different state than they'd been in. That's right. So fascinating story, fascinating concept, love what it what it means so hopefully it spread some questions in you because we're about to dive with that same love into our audience q a segment operators are standing by if you're in the chat room get questions in and we're going to take a couple right now oh hey look at that that's fun just still there the sponge will help us answer the questions what's on your mind <laughs> you want to talk about love let's let's hear it so let's see this is our first one and it's from mary richards what happened when somebody really hurts you just like emmanuel swedenborg was hurt how did he react to this and how did he find help from the other side mm. and i know from the the chat that she's asking about specifically swedenborg was engaged to be married at one point in his younger days and then rejected and so how did he cope with that and uh and that is a starting point but in general how do you react to hurt because isn't hurt a a part of certain aspects of love I would say that, unless I'm mistaken, when he was going through this this engagement sort of stuff, this was well before his spiritual experiences. Were yeah, happening. I believe so. Yeah. So the, you, we don't have any. It's not like he wrote, "Okay, I, this this um, engagement didn't work, and here's what the angels said, and here's right." We don't have that kind of right. data on it. Um, it seems like, though, that if it had happened to him later, he he moved. It seemed like all the solace and all the comfort that he got through all his spiritual experiences was rather than in getting specific events to go how he wanted, was this from this trust and love of the Lord's providence. And that, that he that knowing that all things bent toward a good end, whether they and that, that everything that was happening to him personally was eventually gonna turn to good. It seemed like that's where he was healing his own mm. heart, right? Right. And I don't know if I remember all the details exactly right, but um uh, he was engaged to this woman. I believe this was the one who was the daughter of the inventor, Paul Hem, uh, yeah. who he worked with. And um, and they had had a signed, like a written, I mean, they were formal. It's almost like a, an agreement of sale in a house or something like that. That, you know, they had a signed, written, formal agreement right. uh, to marry. And then he found out somehow through the grapevine that she was just sobbing about this, didn't want to do it, her heart wasn't in it, or something like that. Yeah. And I admire the fact that he was principled about it. It wasn't like, hey, you signed it, it's too bad. You know, he's, good heavens. No, we're not talking about, you know, that piece of paper is not yeah. supposed to determine your heart. Your yeah. heart is supposed to determine the piece of paper. And and so he he let her off the hook kind of thing. And uh, and I think this happened a second time with, with someone else in a, in a somewhat different way. And I think he, as far as I can tell, he dove into his work. Uh, the 18th century is a little frustrating for like people 
didn't much that I can determine talk about their feelings or, right. you know what I right. mean? It wasn't like, oh, dear journal, you know, yes. I got my heart broken or something. People would even write about themselves in the third person. Swedenborg didn't do that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So-and-so experienced this today. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it was just a different time. And so it's frustrating that we don't know more about what that was like for him, but it seemed like he did sort of decide, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to dive into my, my work, you know, for it to, for a relationship to work, it's, it's got to work for both people. It's got to be, you know, I'm not trying to strong arm somebody into some situation they don't yeah. want to be part of. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Uh, it would be interesting to hear him comment on that post uh, enlightenment or whatever you want to call yes, it. Yes, right. But for now, we can just look at how he, how he handled other things. You know, how he handled setbacks in his work. When his books didn't sell well, he would just say, well, you know, the he would try his hardest, but the Lord's got it. So, uh, you know, you'd have to piece things together for it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's so, right. It's a, yeah, you, you, there's not as much on personal psychology as you could hope from Swedenborg. Most of that has to be derived. But I do think you get at these deeper principles, you find tools, you just take some, some refining. And, and this... Uh, kind of no insult to Swedenborg or anybody else in the 18th century, but we look back, it's almost like these spirits we were just reading about where, you know, it's like the whole human race was hardly awakened to a certain way of holding things, you know, or yeah. analyzing things or looking at them or something like that. It was just sort of like, well, I don't know what that is, you know, just move on, you know, like yeah. you said about more of heat than light. And yeah. so people just don't analyze it. They don't think about it because it's not something philosophical or, or whatever. Um, and now uh, the the Lord has sort of shaken the human race back and forth and brought us to a different state about those right. things, which right. is right. which is good. So um, just a couple of musings, no, no great solid answer to that. Uh, yeah. But hopefully, eventually, we figure all that stuff out. Yeah, Next, and the bottom line, just being a decent person, I think, was, was as far as what I can determine how he handled it. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, how to handle the situation versus handle his own the, pain the, afterwards. But the hurt, the pain right. inside. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Thanks, Mary. And let's take a look at the next one. Liquid gargoyle. Hey, there you go. That's a good name. Is love a substance or energy or quality or combination of those or even something unique on its own? Mm. Love, according to Swedenborg, is the underlying essence of something. Um, so the quality would be more the wisdom side of it, the form it takes. Um, That's right. Now, energy, you could certainly describe love as an energy. Isn't it like a sort of essence energy because it, love is the thing that propels somebody to act or even to think right so it is sort of like the fuel for stuff um but it's sort of like i'd, I'd almost go with the last one unique on its own because it's such a fundamental building block of reality that everything yeah. else is kind of derivative from it it and it if if it's a substance it is in a sense all substance it, it's it, it's everything um it's the fact that there is a substance, right? Um, uh, and he he talks about the fact that, um, as we said, love is love is your life. He also describes it as the underlying reality of of everything. Yeah. You know, if you could peel everything back, you would see this amazing divine love in the whole whole of creation and yeah. everything. And um, uh, so it's it would be hard for me to put into words exactly uh, how vast that is, but it's kind of beyond our 
past finding out, as the Bible says. You know, it's like beyond our ability to really comprehend. But I agree with you. The quality is where you start to get to the form of it. That's more about the particular yeah. shape or something. But the love is something under underlying that. So sometimes I think about it in terms of particle physics that you have these, you know, you have particles, but then you have these this energy that's swinging things around and the covalent yeah. bonds and all that kind of stuff about yeah. which I know nothing. But uh, covalent sounds good. But but those or even the, the gravitational force things like that are are like yes, it's a, the whole background in which um, existence takes place and it is kind of cool to think about it sometimes as a substance but a spiritual substance yeah a substance in the spiritual sense of the word which is something that stands behind or underneath uh everything else you know yeah he talks about love playing the role in the spiritual world that heat plays in the physical world it's love seems to play the same role that gravity plays in this in the yeah, physical that's right. world so it's, it's sort of I, I don't think anyone's saying that heat and gravity are the same thing here so it's love is kind of more multifaceted than that check out the book divine love and wisdom yeah that has a lot of By stuff about that yeah that, go, that talks a lot about you could love a greater mind than ours could really piece this together because Swedenborg does give you so many specifics about what love is if you just knew what he was talking about. Yeah, and one of the things that he says about it that came to mind is that um, that love in and of itself is what he calls uncreate, you know, mm. by which he means it's you can't even create love. It just exists. Yeah, he even says that a vibration, like like the vibration. So energy too. I think substance and energy are both, and they're interrelated. I think, um, uh, but what God could create was vessels. Yeah, human beings that would hold that love. Uh, you know, uh, bodies, minds, hearts, things like that. That could create, but in and of itself, it just is. Yeah, you know, and it's everyone. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's, we're running a little bit late, but I'm going to take another one more. We'll just answer it real quick. Uh, this next one is from Amber Marie. Do celestial and natural angels, so this is, you know, knowing knowing Swedenborg, feed off our positive emotions here and in the world of spirits as evil spirits feed off our negative ones? Did Swedenborg learn ways to escape and be free of such feedings? So I would assume be free of the mm, evil spirit. Feedings. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's. It does seem like angels are definitely, I don't know if feed, you could use that term, but they certainly react to our positive feelings. I remember we did this show about the art and that what people were feeling when they were in a church was really, really pumping up the angels. Yeah. It seems like. There's a particular yeah. passage in the New Century Edition, Divine Love and Wisdom, uh, I believe it is, can't give you a number, where it actually Three. says that, that, it, it it likens it to a piece of fruit that when we do something oh, yeah. good, you know, it's sliced and eaten or something like you know. We we had that in the show. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, no, it, it's you're a right. really cool pass. So it really does sound like, in some sense, they actually are fed. Yeah. In some way, by our positive emotions, uh, just as you say, as the evil spirits feed off our negative ones. Yeah. And Swedenborg did learn ways. He talks about it in some places where he talks about. Uh, rejecting the evil that would flow in and accepting yeah. the good, telling the difference between the two and then rejecting it, and even getting the point from his vantage point, which is better than mine, but he could tell who it was coming from and he would actually rebuke them and say, don't send that into me yeah. anymore. 
kind of thing. So yeah. that's how we would sort of stop that feeding from occurring. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like when, when I feel like, um, okay, this is how I was trying to feed. When I try my best to like, okay, I, I'm not going to feel any joy from this evil like i'm gonna reject because any like so even the satisfaction of like you're mad and like telling right. somebody off or something if you were if you like okay i'm gonna make it so i can't feel any of the delight of that it's i can sort of feel like it's like ah oh, come on like we, we we didn't get what we we're looking for so that's tough and i don't i'm not always able to do it but when i can i feel like that like just like an animal the less there's food around the less they're going to yeah. come around so let's, sometimes i think about yeah. something very simple just like in baseball where the where the catcher makes a signal to the pitcher and the pitcher doesn't like it and he just does this tiny little no just this oh, little yeah. wave, wave of the head sometimes sometimes it takes much more than that but sometimes just like bad idea not yeah. doing it you know right 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 at least decrease the amount of easy food great and very important yeah. question such a good question good amber and now we're going to go even farther into audience interaction we're going to get to meet a good friend or a good friend that we met through the show named jeff and he's going to tell his story uh, about what what a swedenborg means and all that which is exactly the point of it also we're going to hear his story now This is something I wanted to do before I leave this earth. I really wanted to thank you guys for what you've done for me and probably thousands of others by making Swedenborg's writings more accessible for us. Um, some of the books will be kind of tough and the videos you guys present are so easy to digest and you guys just make it fun to learn. So I really wanted to talk about what led me there um, and answer some of the questions you guys asked. Well, you know, what's, what's some of my favorite topics and how does Swedenborg help me in my life? Well, what led me there was my search for um, trying to have a better relationship um, in a marriage because it was tumultuous. Um, I think I understand now why. I think I married my soulmate. And my definition of a soulmate is that person is gonna help bolster your soul and get it together for the next life. If you've got some issues that you need to work out here, we're going to put you with the right person to weed it out of you. And I sure did get it. And I think she did too. We didn't quite understand it that way, but I think we're, we're got, we've gotten there at this point. So I went on a search for divine love. You know, I knew there was more to Christ than what I was reading in the um, Bible. And as a matter of fact, I hate to say this, I actually got bored with the Bible, the same old Bible study year after year after year, Abraham and his faith, knowing the flood. There's more to it than that. I knew it. Um, and it turns out that's, a, that, that's true. The last verse in the book of John was one of my favorite that says that didn't Christ do more than this? And if it was recorded, there's not enough books in the world that could hold all the things he did. That piqued my interest. I want to know what those things are. And I seem to be pretty alone on that in my um, the different churches I've gone through seeking. But anyway, I got on the web to see what is divine love? How can I love above anything? How can I love like Christ? And it led me to a couple of sites that talk about loving, loving your enemy. Well, it's easy to love those who love you and loving people just for the reward of being able to love. And so I presented that in a Bible study because it made a lot of sense to me how hard as it sounds. If I love you and I don't get it back, 
My reward is the, the capability of being able to love you without expecting it back. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Isn't that what Christ did? The people who tortured him, he loved them anyway and said, forgive them anyway. And I, I think I understood because they didn't know what they were doing. And a lot of times we hurt each other. We don't even know what we're doing. So still got to love each other. And when I presented that in class, I was met with stone faces. No one's going to love and not get anything back in return. Why waste your time, huh? And so I kind of gave it up for years. And then I went back to about five years later because nothing got any better. And I wanted that. And it led me to meditation. And it led me to the things in my life that God speaks to me through. And one is music. He speaks to me through music all the time because I have such a wide taste and I love positive music. And for some reason, I don't particularly care for gospel music or church music. It just never, never got me. But that's me. We're all different. So listen to music. I heard this band called Anathema of all names. At the beginning of it, there was a guy talking about how he had to say goodbye to his wife before he died. Hmm. And he was talking about having a near-death experience, and it wasn't near-death. He really died. And his name was Howard Storm. So I Googled these sayings and led me to Howard Storm, led me to an NDE site, led me to historical figures who had NDEs, because I spent days, if not weeks, reading these stories, which are fantastic. And then I went and said, who's this Swedenborg guy in history? He had an NDE. After I got to your channel, oh man, it was like red pill and the blue pill. So, you know, I'm on the blue pill and then I took the red pill through Curtis and off the left eye and now I can't go back. So I can't sit in church and think the same things because it's too late now. I've gone down the rabbit hole and I'm still going down it. A lot of these concepts and a lot of things he wrote are tough to accept. And a lot of them really confirm things that I thought all along. I've always thought we're not going to sit in heaven and sing music and feast and sing acapella music. And I was thinking, oh, man, I hope not. And I figured I look up into the sky and I see all these stars and God said, I'm going to share all this with you. And I said, we don't even know what all that is. Wouldn't that be fabulous to find out what it is? And he's going to share it with us. And shouldn't we have that same attitude? And I've always had that attitude from growing up. I always wanted to share everything I've had. If I'm rolling down the road and it's a beautiful day, I'm listening to great music and it's a rainbow and I'm feeling so good, I wish I could bottle that and share that with people to just to share my experience. I wish I could touch someone to share my experience. So Swedenborg tapped on that as far as in the spiritual world, that that's commonplace. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So I started coming across a lot of this stuff. But that helped me in the marriage, but it still got worse and worse and things got worse. And when I share Swedenborg, no one wants to hear it. And I felt just like utterly just alone. I just felt so bad. Things were going worse and worse. And I was ready to just leave the place. And I was so depressed. I started thinking suicide and in the marriage. We separated and eventually I moved to another house with a separation, and a couple weeks later, I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Not the greatest thing I wanted to hear, but then on the other end, I said, forget suicide. Cancer's gonna take care of this, right? So I just didn't wanna live. And that's another thing that Swedenborg does for you. You start finding out about the spiritual world, 
and you're not, no longer afraid of death. They say everyone wants to go to heaven, no one wants to die. I want to go to heaven, I don't mind dying. Of course, I'll miss everyone and I don't want to leave things unattended or anything like that. But if you really believe in heaven, why do you want to hang on to the caterpillar when the butterfly is right around the corner? Not to speed it up, suicide is wrong. And I found that out through prayer of a three-year-old. I asked for prayer when I had cancer. And this three-year-old, I said, because I know kids' prayers go straight up. They got the hotline. And I asked this three-year-old to pray the chemo won't be as bad as I thought. This little kid prayed his own little prayer and said, please make Mr. Jeff brave. And I was like, brave? I'm not afraid of nothing. So I said, you think about that. You asked that kid. So I thought about that for a day, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm afraid to live. And that turned me around. I was like, nope, I'm going to live. If God wants me here 20 years, I'll be here 20 years. If he wants me here 20 days, I'll be here 20 days. What I want is what he wants. If I could be more useful here, stay in here. If I could be more useful there, let's go. What about the people that's going to miss you? Well, we'll see them shortly anyway, won't we? So studying Swedenborg and looking at off the left eye has really helped me through cancer, chemo, radiation, all of that. I stayed in a little tiny house in the hood by myself and I gobbled up Swedenborg left and right. I was watching Off the Left Eye before I got cancer too, a couple years before and I got a lot out of it. But after I got cancer, I started getting more out of it. Swedenborg has helped me in it that is not what he's saying because some of it's hard to believe it's the results. I could see it day to day in real life and I could put so many things in practice so I can say, what's wrong you know, with me? What do I need to get together? One thing that I'm holding on to is he says, angels don't criticize. I've been highly critical of people in my life. You know, so I'm saying that's what I want to be. I want to be just like an angel and never criticize. So I'm struggling through that when you really want to tell someone, hey, there's a pitfall there. How do you do it without being critical? So I'm working on that because I don't want to criticize. I do want to follow in the footsteps of angel training. I found out also you shouldn't judge. You can't judge because you just don't have enough data to judge. If we knew why people did what they did, we'd have a whole different take on what they're doing. If I walked into the house and my wife had murdered someone, you know, it looked like she just shot him. Why'd you shoot him? He was snoring. Why'd you shoot him? He was going to kill me. There are different reasons. So I'm starting to understand it's not so much what you do as why you do it. And sure enough, Swedenborg talks all about intent. And I think that is one thing we really need to look at more and more in all our lives. It's not so much of what we're doing. It's why we're doing it. What's behind it? That person's driving like an idiot. Sometimes it's okay to drive like an idiot. Let a wasp come into you, your car while you're driving, or you look down and you see a spider crawling up your leg. You might just drive like an idiot. So that made me start giving people the benefit of the doubt and sit in a car. And if it's traffic or somebody's driving like an idiot, well, I'm thankful I got a nice radio and I can back off and give those people room for whatever reason. They may have got a bad phone call. Give them room. And if you can take that out of traffic and into your real life, then you're really going somewhere. And that's where I'm trying to get. But one thing I want to ask is what if we ask the question a different way instead of what did you get out of Swedenborg is now that you're there, what would it be like if you never found it? My year away being separated from my wife, battling through chemotherapy and radiation, 
would have been very different if I didn't have off the left eye to help encourage me. Um, and that's what I really want to thank you guys. I know it's a long video, but I really wanted to thank you for making cancer not as torturous as it otherwise would have been. I wouldn't know what it would look like if, if, if I never stumbled across off the left eye. But I tell you what, it wouldn't have been as easy because I went through plagues in that house. I had plagues of fleas. I had boils all over my body. I had all kind of horrible things going wrong. But through off the left eye and Emanuel Swedenborg, I kept a lot of hope and I was very encouraged. And I just lived for that Monday. Binged on all the episodes. But what would it look like if I never stumbled across hard? And I hate to, hate, to, hate to think about that. I'm in Cincinnati, and one time you guys hooked me up with the Cincinnati group. And my wife and I went out there and watched an episode with them, with the Cincinnati viewing group. And I wanted to keep going back, but chemo gets in the way and cancer gets in the way. But I was able to go out there. And if this stuff ever gets out of my body, I will, will, will go back. And if it doesn't get out of my body, well, I'll see you guys on the other side. And thanks for making the, the transition so much easier for me. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jeff. That's awesome. That so awesome. On so many levels, and we just really appreciate you being willing to share the impact for you and also just all that stuff, that personal stuff that just hopefully is touching people out there. Man, there's a ton of wisdom in there. Touched us both. Awesome. So, so thanks so much, Jeff, and just so glad that we could play a little part in making that more bearable for you and, 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 and you get into those insights that you, you found in Swedenborg and everything like that. Mm. All right. So thanks. And Thank again, you. Jeff, and now we're going to get to your, all to cap off the evening. We're going to get to all of your responses to our ice breaker question. We're back. We're back to the beginning. We're back to where we started because we asked this question in the beginning and we're serious about wanting to know your answers. The question, just so you remember, what's a topic in spiritual life you wonder about? What's on people's minds? We're mm. going to find out right now. Our team behind the scenes has been furiously compiling these slides as a summary of what you guys have all said. So here's what we got. How do I brighten? This is just different responses from people. How do I brighten the light I use while stumbling around in the dark? Mm. What is the real truth of what happens to us after we die? And or is Jesus the only way to know such truth? What is the nature of what some may call spiritual initiation? What does it entail? Mm. I wonder if any technique will help me to be useful to others without even a fleeting thought of self in the process. Mm. Yeah, how do you get there? And then we go I like on. It. Wow. Have I received the Holy Ghost? Have I always had it? Mm. Do any of Swedenborg's ideas coincide with synchronicity? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When is the soul actually created? Where were we before we were born? Did we plan our earth life at all? So this is a, like, a, we can do our next couple of shows. Actually, that's I, right. I wouldn't have the answers to a lot of this stuff. We seem to have no control over how we feel about things. Why can't we change our own feelings most of the time? Yeah. And yeah, that's it's right. like we, there's a little more voluntary nature to the thoughts. But what's up with mm. these feelings? I study a good deal of history, and I've always wondered how this contributes to my spiritual life. How is this useful spiritually? Mm. Tying that in. Interesting. Why yeah. do we have to be so worried? worried about what others think about us. It affects us so much, especially when it's our parents, siblings, etc., yeah. etc. Why could Elisha heal others but died of an illness? He couldn't Ooh. he couldn't turn it on himself. What does that symbolize? Mm. What does that mean? I wonder all about the rapture dreams peeps are having. And what where is yeah, where is that all coming from? Right. So mm. the finally 
the consciousness of stars and planets, and what can I do that would serve others the most? Mm. Well, I find that pumps wow, me that's up because people, people are wondering about such cool things. Yeah. People are having deep thoughts, trying to figure out life and trying to be better. None of those were like, I wonder how I can get the most money and at other people's expense. Right? This is like, we're trying to figure out life for a positive goal, and that's what this that's whole right. show is, right? And I was fascinated that there were just uh, scores of different you know, each one's a little different, you right. know, they're just like, this is where you are in your spiritual journey. Yeah. This is what I need to know. This is what I'm trying to figure out. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Right. Well, thanks for walking mm. through all these questions with me. That to was you, so Dr. Fun. John, and to all of you out there. That's our show for this week. Please, if you found this to be fun at all, feel free to like and subscribe. That helps this get out into YouTube. Somebody else can find it. We're seeing how it helps people when, when they find it. Somehow the show is helpful. So let's, let's let the next person find <laughs> it if we're on a roll here. And uh, if you want to support this, show make it possible check out patreon.com mm. slash off the left eye it's where if you give a dollar a show we give you some behind the scenes stuff we've been a we, we, we've got a couple in the pipeline we're just about to put out there so that's gonna be really good next week we're gonna be back we're gonna be doing the faith show which is the counterpart mm. love and faith are often paired together there you so go that's right we're gonna have so first of all what is faith is it just a religious thing is it something more hinted something more and how does it pair and all that don't miss it we'll be here same time monday 8 eastern time hope to see you all then swedenborg and life is amy aquarola morgan beard curtis childs karen childs matthew childs alexa cole john Connolly, cara dom chris dunn Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.